cliffcentral.com All right. Cliffcentral.com. Yes, indeed, cliffcentral.com. It's time for the first burning platform of the year, 2023. Is it going to be a um, quiet, calm, a serene year where nothing happens? <laughs> we should be so lucky. Uh, there's no chance of that already a couple of days into the new year, and there's plenty of stuff that is already burning the platform. Joining us this morning, Pumi Mashiko, and I'm pleased to see Canton Pillay. See my earrings. Yeah, look at your earrings. There they are. Very nice, Pumi. Very, very nice. <laughs> Canton, good to see you. Happy New Year. We haven't uh, seen each other yet this year, and I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be a good year. I think it's going to be a, a, a pretty good year. I, my year started terribly because Why? I lost my dog on New Year's Day. Oh, no. And that that was like, you know, it's probably made it the worst New Year ever because, um, well, you know what it's like when we love our animals. When you say you lost your dog, you, you mean your, your, your dog died? Yeah, he just suddenly took ill the night before and um, oh. and and just kind of breathed his last on uh, on New Year's Day. So it was it was fairly hectic. So I figured it can't possibly get worse after that. So yeah, I think well, it's going to be a great year. Luckily for you, the ANC Is had more conference year? after that, so it did get worse. But <laughs> we'll talk about that later on. <laughs> yeah, but there was nothing there that was unexpected. Yeah, we we knew that nothing yeah. would come out of it, and nothing came out of it. Right. So expectations were met. Right. Who me? I I was quite I I've been counting the days. Um because now that Thrill has won, I've been waiting to see the resignation letter of Lindy Wesisulu. Because remember, she had a whole interview talking mm-hmm. about how it would be difficult for her to serve mm-hmm. under Cyril. Let's see. see. Well cabinet reshuffle is loading. Uh, in a relatively short space of time. Well, before we go any further down, before we go further down this road, because we have someone who is actually a lot closer to the action than us. He was in the free state and he's someone who we always love to hear from. And happy new year to you too. Uh, Leto, nice to see you. How are you? I'm good in yourself, guys. You look, happy new year to you guys too. You look, you look angelic, a white shirt against a white background. It almost looks, it looks like you're floating, exactly floating in that. heaven. It's like one of those representations of God that you get in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, the big problem is, remember I moved to a new place. So this wall is either very dark or uh-huh. very light. So I don't know. Well, it looks good. All we need is the yeah. voice. All we need is the voice of Morgan Freeman, and we'll start thinking that you are God. <laughs> Very good. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So there's quite a lot to talk about, guys. But let's let uh, Leto start because you were in uh, the, the the zone near the action, or at least you know a little bit more about it because you've been paying much more careful attention than maybe the rest of us have. So uh, just starting the year. Uh, how's 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 your how's your hometown? How's your home province? <laughs> uh, the home province is trash as usual, but I think it, it was good that everyone else got to see it, and I think it was it was very good to see the faces of the ANC members as they went through the various towns. Because remember, they didn't just go to Bloemfontein, right? They had mm. to go to Kronstadt, where one of the leaders um lived, and so as they went through these different parts. Um, at one point, Frigin and Balula just said, like, where are the roads? He literally just said that. Jesus. Um, so, and he's the minister. So um, it was very good to see how they sort of 
got to manage this disappointment of a province. But then I actually did go to Bloemfontein. I went to Bloemfontein for like three or four days to go and see what it was like. And it was it was truly humbling to see ANC members truly afraid that the ANC is coming to an end. I didn't think they noticed. It's like, you know, when people are in a sinking ship and yeah. sort of like merrily singing along. Mm-hmm. But they, they actually noticed that the ANC is going down in flames. And it was it was very, very scary to see them also acknowledging that, okay, something is really, really wrong. But I also think the scariest part was they would ask analysts and media members to ask senior leadership certain questions. So they're afraid to ask questions. The party's falling apart. And they expect the media to be the people who then try to hold the leadership accountable. I think that was... That was telling, but also very, very scary because the whole idea of a political party is that we come together, share ideas, ask each other questions, and hold each other accountable. And now that that fiber is slowly falling apart, it was scary. When you say you you could see them kind of see the writing on the wall, I'm interested to know what the the mood around because in you know in the past what you see around January eighth is you see you actually see the huge party that it is. You know, they all roll into town. They, they're at the Cubanas or whatever the, the current big, like, hangout place is. They're stocking out the liquor stores. It's a huge party. Was this a huge party? Not even, not even the slightest. So there was no big ANC that you used to see. Um, actually, the rule was, there's actually a WhatsApp text going around that shows... Um, they had instructed every senior manager in a municipality to at least take of their salary money to hire out at least one taxi <laughs> to take ANC members there. Wow. Um, so you go and you look at the, the Peter Mukaba lecture that was given by by um, by Figilin Balula, you would think that's, that's a hall full of youth. It's actually a hall full of municipal employees um, from just different places in the free state. There was no young people from Butabelo actually walking towards the ANC. And I think that's the scary part, right? There were no people going, oh, the ANC is here, let's go. Everybody was just like, oh, the ANC is here, whatever, man, we don't care. Sure. And, the, the, you know, the, the, the hangout places with the Slay Queens were always half full. There was no huge party. It was like, it was like attending a funeral. It was the saddest thing you've ever seen. They, they couldn't even fill up the Cesar Ramabodu Stadium. The Cesar Ramabodu Stadium is not even a third as big as FNB. It's, it's, it's a small yes. stadium in consideration. Yeah, and they couldn't, even fill, they couldn't even fill Cesar Ramabodu Stadium hmm. with the municipal employees that they hired to come to their event. And so the ANC now is in, now where I saw the big problem, right? I was asking the whole time, wait, where are the red shirts? Where's the SACP? Mm. And everyone said, oh, no. The SACP is the new craze in town. Their membership has gone up by a factor of a 1,000. And now they don't want to ruffle the feathers of the ANC to show them their bigger membership. And so they decided to just come in the ANC regalia or not at all. And so the biggest party in the tripartite alliance now is actually the SACP. But they are at pains to not shake the boat by showing the dying guy they're healthy and dancing. That's interesting. 
Did you know any of this? That's fascinating. That's the kind of insight that you need to actually have been there to have seen. No, but even even the, the general members are just saying it, right? The next move is SACP. Hmm. And the big problem right now is that the SACP had posited itself as this brain trust of the ANC. Yes. And and I think that's what kept it that's what kept it insulated from this death spiral we're seeing from the ANC because they knew they had to twerk somewhere else. So they, they had to come elect but also come up with policies that would make them look good in the eyes of the other um, two parties in the tripartite alliance as the brain trust. And so it kept them alive firstly on the voting basis, but on secondly, it kept them alive as a, as a brain trust, this idea factory. And yeah. so you can't just come and join the SACP and sing really well and we'll clap hands for you. You have to come join the SACP and bring some sort of idea with you, right? Have a policy position and know how to defend that policy position mentally. And so that's what's helped it stay stable, but also grow its base, especially with the ANC members who do believe in the ANC's vision. They, they now see that their refuge is the SACP, whereas in the ANC right now, the opposite is happening. They are suffering the death spiral that was suffered by SASCO, the Women's League, the Youth League. So the problem is this. Once the ANC or a big political party comes together only for elections, so throughout those five or six days, all you can do is to elect a leadership. It means that the death spiral has started inside the ANC. So it means they adopted no ideas, no policies, mm-hmm. nothing. All they did is to say, either I'm civil or I'm not civil, right? Mm-hmm. And but so when you do that... According exactly. to they did adopt some policies, one of which is to do with changing the constitution of the um, Reserve Bank. Please, we must stop listening to people like Mamluko Kubai. That's it. She should have, did she have pom-poms out when she was saying that? Because she's just a cheerleader, <laughs> right? In the ANC, she's not serious. So, but then what happens is, so what you saw with Sasko, what you saw with the Youth League, what you saw with all these people, they attach too much power to the vote. Mm. And then what then creates the fall apart factor is the fact that you voted for somebody who has no clear mandate. Because sure. when they came together in Bloemfontein with the video cast and everything, they didn't correct. So where are the people who were sent to Nazareth to vote? If now we had enough people to vote you in, but you don't have enough people to to just raise their hands and adopt things that you talked about in Nazareth. See, that's the big part. And so that's the scary part to show you that the ANC is now in its final descent. There's no coming back from this. Even Gwede acknowledged. Gwede was like, oh, no, all we need is Cyril because if we lose Cyril now, we lose about 15% of our voters and we're going to lose our majority. So Gwede was there just like, I'm, I'm just trying to eat. The last crumbs here, I'm collecting and I'm leaving. So... Any comments on this? Because I do want to bring JJ in. He's got some interesting stuff that we, we really wouldn't get from anywhere else, just like with Leto, we wouldn't get from anywhere else. But any comments on this before we move to, to the other stuff? And, and stick around, Leto. We've got a lot to talk yeah, about. Yeah, uh, uh, Gareth, I, I think we need to shift our perspective on this entire ANC thing. And everything that Leto said so far has been absolutely spot on in terms mm-hmm. of what's been happening within the ANC. But we actually need to pull back a bit and just take a look at what's happening overall. And the interesting thing for me that's 
uh, emerged basically since December and now going forward um, to 111 or whatever it was that they've called it. We need to recognize that for the first time, we have a president of the country and of the African National Congress who is actually divorced from all of the factions within the African National Congress. So just take a view that right now Cyril is sitting in a position where he's accountable to no one yeah. within his party. Why is that? It's because he's got access to the funding to actually keep everyone in check. He's got the media mm-hmm. on his side as well. Yep. And right now you've got a sitting president of the country taking the National Prosecuting Authority to court to prevent the NPA from uh, proceeding uh, with charges against him. So this guy is pretty much unassailable right now in terms of where he is sitting. Uh, You know, just consider all of the stuff that's currently not working, okay? We've got power blackouts at a worse level than it ever was during the Zuma uh, time. We have uh, violence in the streets that's Mm -hmm. at a high level. Um, uh, uh, By every single measure, we were better off under Zuma in terms of the economy than we are currently under Cyril. Do you hear even so much as a peep from uh, the mainstream media talking about any of these things? No. No. Because they're all all on Team uh, Cyril. Yeah. Yeah. So really the view that we need to be taking right now is that the ANC's role in this is kind of irrelevant. And in the absence of a coherent opposition that's actually able to speak a narrative that's going to pull people on board, we're pretty much going to be stuck with this in 2024 as well. And I think that, you know, so the time has now come. We need to step back from the ANC's internal machinations, which no longer matter, is is my point. We are going to see a cabinet reshuffle coming up uh, very soon. I'm pretty sure that uh, uh, Mabuza will be recalled and uh, uh, Paul is now going to become deputy president of the country. We've already seen a massive consolidation of power in the hands of of Gwede. And I've got to tell you, I don't think that's... um, uh, necessarily a bad thing. So we actually hmm. seeing a shift back to a lot what? of stuff that happened during the, uh, I'll get to that in a second, Bumi. But we're seeing a shift back to a lot of things that were actually taken apart post the Mbiki uh, era. So public enterprises is effectively being disbanded because you've got responsibility for ESCOM now moving to minerals and energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're now seeing a scenario where Transnet gets moved back into the Department of Transport. So you, you're seeing a dismembering of the power structures that existed under um, uh, public enterprises. SAA had already been taken out um, uh, a while back. Gwede has been right in terms of the fact that we need to be making use of our coal resources because in order for us to kickstart economic growth right now, we absolutely need yes. to have energy. And we spoke, we spoke about this, uh, this last year. So there are all of these things that are going to be happening, but they are divorced from any democratic process. So it's essentially Cyril dictating a course of events that's going to be going forward. I don't see right now any narrative that is being spoken on the part of the opposition that's going to see a coming together. And, you know, interestingly enough, we, you now see Rob Hersov and Gwede Mantashe singing from the same hymn sheet. <laughs> uh, you know, so park, for a, park that for a second and just consider uh, what's actually going on behind the scenes. So, yeah, that's pretty much what I have to say about the ANC Pumi. You might have a different take 
uh, around what's going on. But, you know, I've, I, right now I just wish that the DA would get their act together, stop talking about stuff that's actually irrelevant, and actually focus on delivery and focus on getting people to unite around that stuff. Frankly, they should not be talking about what's going on in Zimbabwe. They should not be talking about what's going on in uh, in Ukraine. Uh, they should not be worried about the fact that we have Russian vessels that are pitching up at Simonstown. Yeah. Well, we really, are. Because people well, don't care. Well, we are interested in what's going on there. And luckily for us, we've got JJ Cornish here to help us figure that out. Um, and he's going to give us a little a brief intro to 2023. JJ, it's good to see you. Happy New Year to you too, sir. And... Um, and you you have some um, some clangers to drop on us before we get too comfortable with the new year, right? Well, bon allez to all of you, and uh, good to <laughs> bon see you. And, and bonjour, Jean-Jacques. <laughs> bonjour, and good to, to have a, such an insight into our ruling party, mm-hmm. accountable to the ruling party and not to the people. Uh, that's one of the things. Uh, yeah. Well, very very depressing to hear, but very well put. So, JJ, what is the story that we see about Zimbabwe's uh, record wheat harvest? Is this is this going to help ah. us? What's what's this all about? Well, you know, Zimbabwe, the cliche for aging journalists like myself was Zimbabwe, once the bread basket of the region, right. now the basket taste of the <laughs> continent. Well, here we have, they've turned it on their heads. And they did have rain this year, which they, or some good rains this year, which they hadn't had the previous year, but essentially good farming. And they have a 50 year, uh, uh, record wheat harvest. Hmm. Uh, that's 375,000 tons. They're completely self sufficient in wheat. And when you see Ukraine and, uh, and Russia unable really to export the kind of numbers that are required because of the invasion by by Russia, uh, it's a very, very important time to have it. The thing about Zimbabwe, of course, is always hassles. How are they paying the farmers? They're not mm. doing that properly and on time. They also have a bigger, much bigger corn harvest, maize, but that's, uh, the, of course, a staple. Uh, it's still not enough. They're still having to import some maize. But, you know, most of the uh, uh, maize from South Africa was going to Zimbabwe, uh, some less of it now. And there was wheat being imported to Zimbabwe. That's not going. So this is a good news story out of Zimbabwe, no doubt about it. Uh, and, uh, y- you know, the thing is, of course, Zimbabwe being Zimbabwe, some Zimbabweans still need food aid, you know, just simply to survive. But being self-sufficient in wheat at this time, at this very important time, great news for Zimbabwe. Well, that is great news. Um, just just giving us a brief overview, what are the other big things that we need to be looking at in Africa this year? Because, you know, often and mostly when Canton is on, uh, and, and our, our audience is grateful for this, when Canton's on, we, we tend to sort of look a little further afield. But we very seldom pay as much attention as we perhaps should to what's actually happening just north of us in this very, very complex continent of ours. And, of course, Africa itself is, you know, divided. <laughs> what did Julius Caesar say when he went into Gaul? Gallia est divisi in, om, in, divi, divi in partes tres, which means like it's divided into three. And Africa is divided into way more parts than three. So there's always stuff going on. What are you going to be looking at this year? Well, I mean, the economy, you know, the African economy always grew faster than those around the world. That's not the case. 
uh, the World Health Organization, World uh, Monetary Organization, is saying today they're one step away. Some of the countries one step away from another big shock before they go and are unable to pay their debts. During the easy money years, they were borrowing like mad, and now the, 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 they're having to repay. So that's a big thing. That the growth has not has been downgraded from two to about well, just less than one percent. So that so there's economic t- tough times coming, very very tough times coming, and not the least for us, but countries like Nigeria and and others. So it's the economic growth problem that we're looking at this year that's going to that's going to hit us. There are small minor stories coming in. Um, the the Somali land, you know, the country I speak about a great deal, the mm. break off from Somalia, post-colonial break off, which uh, African countries don't seem to realize or haven't yet realized. Uh, they should be recognizing it's a real, real democracy. Mm-hmm. They've actually now, Gareth, found oil there. Ooh. Now, some people's eyes roll, you know, the black curse. Others uh, say fantastic. I wonder what that's going to mean. Does that mean countries that didn't recognize it suddenly are going to? They were digging a water well and uh, this black liquid poured out is rather like something out of Hollywood. And it's oil. So they found it in this, uh, in this Marodi J region. And uh, we don't know what's going to. They've given to Britain, a British company, the right to explore further and to exploit some of it. Uh, So it's very interesting to see. Britain is the country, and I've been there many, many times, and they've always had British uh, government servants there. Britain hasn't recognized it, but they have been very supportive. So they'll get to to benefit from that to some extent. But uh, uh, we see other things like the Rwanda DRC situation is, is getting worse and worse, and that is very bad for the country at the heart of our continent, the DRC. Uh, Paul Kagame now behaving like the old uh, 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 national party, like the old apartheid bosses, mm. talking in uh, Kinyarwanda uh, to his people, suddenly breaks into English, reminiscent of the times I can remember when John Foster said, we have done away with our 90-day uh, detention with our trial facility. Mm. And we have done that because we are bringing in 180 days detention without trial. And there was laughter around the house. Well, here we have Paul Kagame saying, we're not going to accept uh, Congolese refugees anymore. Now, Congolese refugees constitute about 60% of those uh, in in Rwanda. He says, Mm -hmm. they are not my problem. Well, I suppose his problem are the refugees that the Brits are going to foist on yes, uh, Rwanda right. because that, that comes with a healthy 120 million pound uh, uh, payment. You know, ka-ching, uh, this suddenly becomes my problem. Who but, pays, uh, so, who pays so the, the paper, you know? Well, uh, it's so cynical on his part. And he's saying that he might actually repatriate some of the Congolese refugees. Well, that's simply because they're being told by Britain, by, well, the, by the EU, by the African Union, by the United Nations, stop supporting the Tutsi rebels, the M23 rebels inside the Congo. And that's really seriously pissed him off, and that's why he's taken this move. But, uh, you know, it's... Uh, the the... I come back to the story that it will be the economy I'm looking at and the Africa's being told stop well, relying on well, let me, foreign buy foreign purchases. Well, 
transform your economy to look more to agriculture, as Zimbabwe has done, and and uh, industrialization, because though, and look to yourselves, and that's the only way you're going to grow out of this problem. Well, let me ask... Um, uh, story. Gareth, I just want to climb in for a second. John Jacques, you were talking about Rwanda, and, uh, you know, something else, and you're quite right in terms of their... Uh, interference in the uh, in the Eastern DRC and the support for the rebels out there, but uh, I, I just wanted to ask whether you had any info on what's going on in terms of Mozambique because Rwanda has got troops up there. We've got troops up there, um, uh, effectively fighting the jihadists in the uh, northeastern corner of uh, of Mozambique. I saw a video that was very doing the rounds. Video. Yeah, very disturbing video oh. of. Uh, yeah, uh, what's going on there? You know, just talk to that. And the quickly. SANDF actually did put out a statement. Yes, well, they, they said that they're investigating be, it. They will be investigating what yes. is the video and its origins and what exactly is happening over there. But also essentially saying, we're actually not in charge. We, you know, it's the Mozambican military. Sure, but, that, uh, but at the same time, if, if, if our, if our, if our troops in, uh, in uniform are throwing bodies onto... Uh, open fires. Onto open fires. You know, like what's going on there? Good Lord. Well, I haven't seen our troops doing that. The, the thing about it is when you have a peacekeeping operation like you do up in Kabinda, uh, things get very ugly and get very ugly very quickly. Uh, I haven't seen uh, our troops being responsible. And I know that the Mozambicans have, have overreacted massively. This is an absolutely shocking video. Uh, you know, it goes back to, uh, well... Uh, the, the very worst we've seen in Africa. Rwanda's there, uh, and, and, and for one moment it appeared like they were sort of holding the ring. But I don't know how long they're going to last there now in, in the light of this. Rwanda did that because they wanted to, uh, um, ingratiate themselves with, certainly with the, uh, European powers because European, EU is supposed to be training peacekeepers up there. Uh, I haven't seen the effect of that well, unless, you know, I, I mean, have, uh, I have want to make a cynical remark about the EU teaching them barbecue techniques or something. Yeah. But the fact is, uh, the, the, I mean, very, very ugly atrocities actually filmed. And that's another thing is you can't, you can't escape these things today with the technology we have. Anything you do like that will be filmed and yeah. will get out. Uh, so uh, I wait to, to uh, get an assurance from the SANDF that they're not, they're not personally responsible, Can, but uh, 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 it's very, very bad, very bad what we've seen. I'm just going to throw this in as a bit of a teaser. One I'm going to be, things, sorry, you know, Pums. talking uh, about looking at the economies and what Africa does, yeah. this, you know, with this coming year, as we have a looming global recession, they tell us, uh, is the election race in Nigeria, you know, also one of the more sophisticated economies on the continent. What do you, what's your take on that heating up race? Hmm. Well, you know, it's one of 24 elections we have this year. Ten of them would be presidential elections, probably the most important of them. Uh, things, Nigeria has not disappointed us with uh, the uh, elections that they've held. You know, they've had actually, actually changes of uh, party governments. Uh, and so uh, we, we have every hope that they're going to, they're going to do this properly. But the, they have the biggest task on the continent. You know, I, the biggest election I've observed is in the DRC, which was the most expensive, uh, that the, uh, that the, um, 
United Nations has ever sponsored. But uh, so I have every faith in, in the uh, Nigerians actually having proper elections. But they do have, of course, up in the northeast, the Boko Haram uh, area, and they won't be able to poll in every one of the areas. But I do have faith that they will be able to have a proper election. What, who's going to come through? I, I don't know. I, I hate making predictions beforehand because, you know, all I have left is my credibilities. So I hate people to point, point <laughs> well, out to me later. Well, you see. JJ, I'm, <laughs> but, uh, I'm going to, I mean, I'll let you go in a second because we've got so much to squeeze in this morning that I don't want to uh, run out of, uh, out of runway for, for Canton and Leto and, and Pumi. But I do want to say that I'm interviewing a guy called LJ Fenter, who's a, a tremendous writer. He's, you must be very yeah. aware of him. And he's, he's got a bit of an exclusive for us on what's happening in the Central African Republic, which he'll be telling me about later. It has to do with the Russians, and it is not a story that we can ignore. So I'll be sure to let you know once that's ready. And, um, and we'd love to hear your comments on that too. Okay. The thing about the, Af- the, the, the Russians is that we had in the Security Council or in consultations, the, United States turning on Russia saying you're interfering in Africa mm-hmm. with these mercenaries and yep. they have not brought peace in Burkina Faso in no. uh, or, or stopped the jihadis in that country and certainly not in Mali so they the, the Russian influence is growing but the effectiveness and what the uh, countries have uh, sacrificed in order to to get the Russians in there hasn't paid off so they, they're losing peacekeepers from Germany, from the U- European Union, from yeah. France particularly. We had the French deputy foreign minister in Burkina Faso where they just killed, tried to kick the ambassador out saying, uh, we're not interfering. We're wanting to help. But, uh, the Burkina, the Burkinabi are saying, get out of here. And they've had, they've actually attacked French, um, in, Diplomatic uh, uh, buildings. Uh, wow. So, so it, 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 they've they've turned it all upside down. But they haven't. There hasn't been the effect that the African countries wanted. I'd be very interested to hear what's happening in Central African Republic. Uh, hmm. uh, so, what time is that coming on? I'm no, no, I'm picking up. It's it's going to be a, a, a sort of long form. I'm recording it. He's he's in the UK at the moment, but we we're going to oh. be putting that together this this afternoon, and then it'll probably be ready early next week. I'll let you know once it's done. Well, tell him to wear his thermal underwear. Eh? <laughs> yeah, it's not exactly warm. Thank you, JJ. Great to catch up with you, and thank you for your, your participation this morning. All the best to all of you. Thank you very much. Yeah, so there's there's no shortage of stuff going on here as well. Canton, we had a, a, a an email. Uh, I know it was a voice note that someone said. Bichleng uh, sent it us, uh, to us yesterday, and I, I tried to give the brief on Kevin McCarthy and the Republican Party and what's going on there. But, I mean, U.S. politics, the forecast for 2023, I mean, have we got anything to look forward to there? Because what do we even make of, of you know, the, the, the ongoing Russian-Ukraine conflict, to not mention uh, the, the story that seems to still be at the top of most newspapers' uh, priority lists? Well, let's just get Kevin McCarthy out of the way first. You might remember the last show of last year when we touched on U.S. politics. Mm-hmm. I said at the time, the real battle that's going down here is not between the U.S., uh, between the Democrats and the Republicans. It's between the Trump Republicans and um, what Trump refers to as rhinos, Republicans in name only. And the entire conflict, the reason why the election of Kevin McCarthy uh, took as long as it did Mm. is because of 
the internal wrangling that was going on within the Republicans in terms of who gets to do what. Now, there's a couple of things that the Democrats did over um, the past term that they were in control under Pelosi. The one is that they didn't allow any debate to be introduced from the floor. They didn't allow any legislation to be introduced from the floor. So they effectively stopped um, the Parliament of the United States of America, which is what the House of uh, uh, the House is, uh, from actually doing their job. The second thing is that they spent a lot of time investigating uh, uh, Trump at various levels mm-hmm. and didn't allow anything to be tabled on other matters of uh, of national importance. And remember, at the same time, there was all of that debate around uh, uh, Roe versus Wade right. ahead of the. Um, Supreme, the Court. Supreme Court. Uh, yeah, um, there were private members across both sides who wanted to codify Roe Ro versus Wade, mm-hmm. which means that it would have pulled the rug out from under the Supreme Court. And essentially, you had the Democrats not wanting that stuff to be uh, to be done. All of the arguments that have been taking place behind the scene right now has been effectively to give all of the Trump Republicans control of a couple of processes. So they say to Kevin McCarthy, you're going to be speaker, all right? You're effectively third in line for the presidency. Mm-hmm. But what we want is we're going to actually be um, driving the select committees. We are going to be instituting inquiries of our own. So one of the things that's, that they've immediately tabled is they want uh, Janet Yellen to now start investigating all funds that have been transferred in and out of the country by Hunter Biden and hmm. uh, by by Joe Biden's brother. In other words, they, they're launching a major investigation into the financial dealings of Joe Biden's uh, immediate family. And it's very possible that uh, shortly before we get to um, the next elections, you're going to have them deciding to actually try to impeach Biden. And uh, so so everything that's behind the scenes was on the basis of the Trump Republicans wanting to get control of those processes. And uh, so it took obviously took a lot of argument behind the scenes. Re- remember that Kevin McCarthy uh, differs from uh, Trump on a number of platforms. You know, I mean, the guy literally has a Ukrainian flag on his profile. Uh, yeah. You know, whereas Trump is always of the view that uh, the U.S. shouldn't be fighting in Ukraine. They need to get the hell out of there. And yeah, so, but th- that's the McCarthy story. He'll, he'll be, he'll sit there quietly now because he got what he wanted, which is the position. And, <laughs> uh, and, and the Trump Republicans are going to be ascended behind the scene. We've got such a, a list of points to get to. Poms, <clears throat> you've got a couple of things you want to talk about this morning too. And I know Leto wants to talk about are we using this this one resource that we don't seem to be able to to be able to put to good use and that is our young population advantageously we'll get to that in a second but what what do you make of first of all jj's uh summation of some of the stories here on this continent but also what canton's just said about us politics you know what what has been fascinating to watch with the the kevin mccarthy debates is very similar to what we've been watching here uh, with the ANC, right? All of this internal wrangling and using mm. all of this resource of the of the Senate, of the Parliament to fight personal battles, right? So what is not being talked about 
in, in all of that, what's not being talked about, I think that actually very fundamentally affect the people, the economy, yeah. the delivery, you know, so this is, and, and it's been for me just watching, even as, as all of the news agency are talking about how, you know, for the first time in 150 years, we've had like, 20, how many did they eventually end up? How many rounds of, of voting did they eventually get to? And and all because of personal politics around Hunter Biden, Russia, and the well, money. And no, the, but Pumi, you know, you're, you're, you're doing a disservice by saying it's personal. Because remember that what they are trying to do, and I'm talking now very specifically in terms of the Trump Republicans, is they're actually trying to get to a situation where the House is once again effective, where you are going to be able to have legislation that gets put forward from the floor without necessarily having to uh, wait for Nancy Pelosi's stamp of approval, which was the thing for the longest time. Our parliament right now in this country is dysfunctional at exactly the same level. Yeah, You can't have a situation where unless you have the approval of the speaker and then the speaker is not giving approval unless the ANC has agreed on it behind the scenes, where Parliament is actually able to function. So I don't think it, it's, it's not actually personal. It, it is all about the ability to make use of uh, the House um, uh, quite effectively. One of the, uh, 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 it was a representative from Oklahoma who yesterday was tabling the rules under which uh, the House is going to be operating uh, going forward. And he was pointing out in particular the passing of that 1.7 trillion bill. Oh, the omnibus. In the dying bill. days. And, and the fact yes, that the, the omnibus. The bill. fact that one of these things, Pumi, I mean, I've got to agree with Canton here. One of the things is that people actually have to read. They need time to be able to read these bills that are being passed because 4,700 pages in that case. Yeah. And it was just put through. And, and Nancy Pelosi and, and the and Democrats just pushed it through in the, in the dying days of their, of their majority. It's, it's that and all these other concessions which they gained, one of them being that the IRS isn't going to get a huge tranche of funding, which frankly will just make the ordinary American more of a victim of the revenue service than anything else. And all of this stuff has now been put to a stop thanks to what seems to be a very fragile but nonetheless important Maneuver by these conservative Republicans who've really pushed Kevin McCarthy into corner. This is, this is important politics. This is what parliaments are for, is the negotiation of to and fro. So while it's embarrassing to some, I think many people are looking at this and saying, well, that's what legislatures are meant to be doing. But, but then that's, it's a reach to then say, I'm sorry for me, but I think it's a reach to then say, by virtue of doing that, you're going to make the processes easier. Right? It just then say it's a self-serving purpose, right? Because that's what it then goes to the core of politics. It's about the self and the ego and the hubris of the individual and then the, the hubris of the collective, mm-hmm. right? So if you, if you're then going to stop one bill from this side to that side, because remember, a hallmark of the, of the American political system is to hide things in largely worded papers. Yes. That's, that's part of their system. Yeah. Is to hide That's little nuggets in behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And so, at the end of the day, if you if you were trying to make the American system more effective, this maneuver is not it. It's going to make the the Democrat the, the the Republicans look good. Yes, it's going to make them look like they're working. Yes, it's a cosmetic 
sort of application of what is supposed to be a working Senate. And so we must be truthful about it. A working Senate doesn't look like what's happening now or even what's going to happen in the next six months. A working Senate does not look like that. So we must be... We, we must always go back to the hubris of the individual. If I now tell you I'm going into politics, know that I've now considered myself the master of welcome and I think I know everything about this place and I'm going to make everyone better. That's the first part. Yeah. And then the collective, me and my friends who believe like me, I am going to be the savior of welcome. And so you must always take it to that basis first before you think it's about to work for the people. And the thing about it for me, so there are two things about it for me. One is the theatrics of it is what creates a, for for the public, right? Is a, a, oh, I'm I'm actually not going to be any more interested in all of this. And this is where Mm. the opportunity to hide things comes from. And on both sides. So Nancy was able to create a system which worked for her way of pushing things through because that's what they want to do. That's what the Republicans want to do. That's what the Democrats want to do. And what works for Nancy is having to be able to enhance the vote counter, right? Is to whip the votes behind the scenes so that by the time they get into that, into that voting stance, she knows exactly who's voting for what because she's worked them. Pumi, Pumi, let's, let's, let's go back to what we said uh, uh, last year. And I'm telling you once again, this is not about business as usual politics along those lines. This is a fight for the soul of America that is happening right now. The battle between the Trump Republicans and the rhinos is the most crucial thing that's happening. And a very likely out- outcome is going to be that you actually have a split in the Republican Party that actually happens on the eve of, uh, of the elections sure. uh, for the next presidential elections. And that will be the best thing that could actually happen to the, uh, the U.S. In, in exactly, in exactly the same way, as, <laughs> in the same way that I said that the best thing that could happen in our country is for a split to happen within uh, the ANC. And uh, but I, I see that as uh, a distant dream at the moment. Gareth, you have had right. a thought on that. I could well. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to throw more thought into, into U.S. politics for the moment because I think we've yet to see whether this house is effective at all. But I do think that your, your quite dire prediction of the Republican Party splitting is an, is a really interesting one. I think that there's an ideological divide growing in America over everything. Everything's so political, right? Everyone I know in America, everything from art to sport to Prince Harry and Meghan, for God's sake, everything's political now. And you, immediately know that you are friends or enemies with someone depending on whether or not you wear a mask depending on where or not whether or not you uh support uh, you know pro-life or, or or pro-choice arguments and all of this has now been conflated into this very complicated and hugely sensitive political system where americans are actually looking at each other as being their prime source of of ire. They're not looking at the Ukraine and Russia. Most Americans couldn't care less about Ukraine and Russia. They are actually looking for the enemy within. And Republicans see Democrats as enemies. Enemies, uh, Democrats see Republicans as enemies and, and vice versa. And it's going to, it's not going to get better for a while. Uh, with people like, you know, Trump stoking the fires on one side and, and, and many of the Democrats doing the same on the other side. This is, it's getting worse. It's making, America, a very uncomfortable place for most people to just try and get along. 
as Jack, Jack Nicholson said in Mars Attacks. So I don't want to spend too much more time on that if you guys don't mind. We've only got a few minutes, and Leto's got some interesting observations, which I think will give us pause for thought before we head into the new year. And I think, Leto, we've got this young population of people who are desperate and hungry and are hustling and have to. And, you know, just because so many young people in this country are unemployed doesn't mean they're sitting on their hands, right? No, no, it doesn't. Um, they, they are hustling every day. They're trying to make a way for themselves. But for the most part, the system, the systems around them aren't allowing them to maximize that. Mm. And if you look at all the other countries around us, look at the BRICS countries, for instance. Um, if you look at China, one of its powers that it was able to leverage is population. And yeah. that population dynamic is turning to trash, right? Because um, of that one um, one child policy that failed so dismally. And so if we are then going to be the youngest continent on, on, on the planet, how are we using that in our future? So how are we building the blocks for what our young people could be tomorrow? And it doesn't seem like any of our leadership is doing that, like not even just in South Africa, all across Africa. They don't know what to do with these young people. If you talk about Nigeria, for instance, you're talking about the election. Yeah. Like in Nigeria, only like less than 10% of the population actually votes for the political leadership. And so if you think about that, you're like, wait, where is everyone else? You then get to consider that everyone else is actually young people. And they're saying, well, we don't really care about the system. It doesn't work for us. And so the fact that we're not thinking about these young people is what is scary to me, is that they are a commodity that we're not using to, to its to its maximum, right? Even if we use them as like a hard work labor, let's let's use them as part of the potential to solve some of our problems. Let's just like thrust all of them into the police force, into the SANDF. <laughs> let's get them, let's use them as something, but we're not using them as something. You get to, so I, I actually went to Butabelo, which is a, a town smaller than Valcom, and you get there and almost... <coughs> Excuse me. Almost all the youth doesn't work. No one yeah. works. And so you, you get there and you're like, wait, what is this town going to become in 10 years? If nobody's working, that means nobody in that town has a bank account. It means nobody in that town is eligible for anything that the system provides as a comfort. So you're not even going to get credit. You're not. So they're working outside of the system. And if there are towns like that littered all across the free state, which is essentially a failed province, right? The, the rot in South Africa and the failure to govern is going to start from the free state and, and sort of radiate outward. And so what I'm seeing here, I know for a fact I'm going to start to see in the rest of South Africa in six, seven months or a year, two years. So wh whatever is happening in the free state now, the huge potholes are starting to, to, to manifest in Johannesburg. Yeah. The lack of collection of, of, of waste it started here. That's a fashion that started here too. When you're cutting down and you're stealing the money, oh no, steal the money from the garbage trucks first. And so that sort of breakdown in, in systems and how they work seems to be permeating and it's now radiating outside of the free state into places like Lesotho. And I'm very, very scared about our future in those terms. So... I mean, I, I'm, your, your words are ringing in my ears, and I can only think of what uh, the only person who's, who was on our show last year who had any solution to this question was, was Muzi Kuzwayo, who in his book, South Africa's Promise, has basically come up with a plan to get young people to do essentially what would be a year of 
of, of paid, but, but not paid extravagantly, community service effectively, and a chance for them to contribute to the country. It's like taking Mandela Day and stretching it over a year. And I think that's probably one of the best ideas I've heard. I haven't heard any other ideas that come even close to addressing this problem. I mean, Canton, you've got some, no doubt, and Pumi, you've got a couple too. Yeah, you know, the thing that, <clears throat> um, uh, yeah, that Muzi touched upon was actually something that went back to the Mandela era. And remember that originally what was supposed to be happening was you were supposed to have this effective youth subsidy in terms of getting them into the workplace. And mm. um, most of us have forgotten the reason why the project was killed, but it was killed because of Kosatu, because Kosatu then saw it as a threat to their unionized base because you see if you effectively have subsidized workers being brought in then that allows you to slowly start whittling away at the relatively uh, underworked and overpaid COSATU uh, uh, members that exist primarily in the public service and so that's the reason why that idea uh, died away uh -huh. so there's no shortage of, of good ideas but in the absence of will on the part of the state to actually implement it, we, we're not going to be able to get anywhere with it. Oh, that, guys, hmm. the president has got a whole yes for youth program. Why are you ignoring? Oh, woman. Why are you ignoring the presidential? The, listen, you are ignoring the presidential job no. summit. You are ignoring the presidential. Like, Is this come still on, an guys. There are many, many commissions out here. That the president, it's a good idea that the president has put out there and you people just choose to ignore it. The only people that really notice the good work that the president is doing is mainstream media. Yes. Because you guys <laughs> just willfully yes. want to look away from this. Is the, N, is the <laughs> NYDA that, still a thing, by the way? Is, is anybody aware of yeah, what the board yes. is? For the new NYDA. board and everything, they've got a new board and everything. They have a whole new set mm. of people who are there mm. who are and all new offices in Johannesburg <laughs> brand new yeah. offices in Johannesburg mm. you people are just you just willfully looking away from the good work that is being done there's a good story no, to no. Be told. here's the other <laughs> thing a good story to be told and you people are not telling the Pumi, story you've reached your quota Pumi, <laughs> you've reached your quota for sarcasm <laughs> in one show and one you know that's enough please you're going to kill us all <laughs> the youth employment service by the way I signed up for it, signed up all my friends for it, mm. right? None of us, none of us, and the young people in my neighborhood, I was like, okay, we're going to use my data. It's fine. I'm going to pay for it. Let's right. go. Sign everyone up. Nobody has gotten an SMS ever since we did that. Wow. SMS not, to say, oh, why. no, we recognize you signed up. Did not, not we're getting your job. They didn't say, we, we see you signed up for the program. So, Jesus. yes, Youth Employment Service. Yes. Thank you, Pumi. <laughs> That's outrageous. I mean, they, they are, they're, getting, they're getting a lot of money. There's they're a year ahead. I, I'm like Canton. I'm very much looking forward to a cabinet reshuffle. I'll be very pleased to see it happen. I don't know. I mean, I, I know the president penned it in his letter saying that it is imminent, this cabinet reshuffle. But... I wait with bated breath. I also wait this Why year. Not? Another thing the president has promised us is that he will be dealing with urgency yeah. with the whole lot of the issues, the, the power issues that we are facing. He'll be dealing with those that in this term of his presidency, 
issues are going to be dealt with with a whole lot more urgency. And I, for one, look forward to this year of seeing lots of things happening. Also, thank you, Gareth, for having Canton here. Canton, we're going to, me and you are going to test the, the might of the NYTA. We're going to come up with a nice business plan and see which ANC member gets it and implements it. We're going, to, we're going to hand in a proposal to NYTA and see whether or not they give us the funds or they give it off to Done the next deal. guy. Let's, let's do that. I have the idea. I have the idea. This is a great project for the Burning Platform for 2023. Yeah, Just so... Guys, uh, I said we've reached our quota for sarcasm. We've got to try to find... Uh, the. No, <laughs> Although I did start the show today, so this is what my my outside of my sarcasm quota. This is I did start the show this morning talking about how I absolutely refuse to let them steal my joy. And the one thing, if if anybody remembers any one thing for the rest of this year with the burning platform, is that we have to be absolutely intentional, all of us about not sitting back and becoming complacent. Yeah. This is important. You it, Report the potholes. Report the broken street lights. Be there, right? Be there and be active. Don't sit back and go, what can I do, right? This is where... This is where you actually have to stand up. This is still our country, and it is important for all of us to participate in making sure that we don't let them steal our joy and we don't let them steal our voice. Because this is what it is. They don't let them steal the voice. You, so remain angry. Don't let remain the, angry. Don't let the That's bastards get you, get you down. <laughs> Garrett, someone was asking a question in, in the comments in terms of why we're not uh, manufacturing our own solar panels mm. in, in this country. A couple of the uh, things I just want to touch on that. Sure. The one is that um, we actually had patents that were developed at WITS that are really best in the world in terms of efficiency around solar panels. Right. The reason why we're not able to actually end up manufacturing those out here is basically because, again, we lack the will to actually fund the um, the establishing of um, enough of an industrial base to actually produce those panels. And, of course, we need electricity to actually run those factories, which is not going to happen in a short space of time. So, as usual, the tech, uh, technology will end up getting sold off to the Chinese, exactly like our pebble modular reactors did. Yes, and, and they'll sell it back to us in manufactured form, which is unfortunate. But, yes, that's the, the nature of the beast. Yeah. yeah. Um, and f- finally from me, Carrot. Um, yeah, I think also this is the last time you guys see me with dreadlocks. I'm going to cut them off. Are they going? Um, it's... Yes, they're going, they're going. It's been almost 15 years, so oh, wow. they have to go. Um, <laughs> yes, but also, like, don't, just like Pumi and, and Canton, I mean, um, we're always happy as South Africans, and but also we're also good in our discomfort. So don't lend yourself to comfort as a South African because you are individually comfortable. South Africans are always based on we huddle together and work towards something. Whenever we are shoulder-to-shoulder South Africans, we are a scary force. So from here on outward, remember that Cyril Ramaphosa only has 18 months left. 18 months is nothing. 2024, get you, your family members, everyone out there voting. Vote for anyone else except 
these damn bastards. Because at the end of the day, we have to change this country. We have to find a new configuration of how we become better. And it, it's going to take work. It's not going to. We're not going to find a silver bullet in the end in the DA or EFF or Freedom Front Plus. It's going to be a combination of those. Just like we're saying, just like I'm saying, that us together are the solution. We, they're not going to be the solution by themselves just because they, they have that hubris and they think they're better than the rest of us. So keep going, keep grinding, make a change in your circle. We're going to become better. We're going to change this thing. I like it. A little inspiration for the end here. I've, I've just got to say that what Leto just said about us standing shoulder to shoulder and not being individually comfortable and thinking that that will push us through. Um, I, I saw some Americans who, who I've known for a while and they were out here just the other day and they said to me, you know, give us in, in a, a short pricey kind of what the, the story of South Africa politically at the moment is. And instead of going into the party breakdown, I thought, no, let me look at this from the point of view of the people of South Africa. And the one thing that if nothing else good has come out of the last few years, it is that we are slowly leaving behind the very distinct lines and divisions that have so long been an issue for us. Because if black, white, old, young, rich, poor South Africans have one thing in common, it's that they hate the government. <laughs> and I think that's true across the board. All South Africans finally united under one banner. We've always wondered, what is it? Is it Bri Day? Do we have, you know, is it, is it sport? What do we care about the most? And the thing we all care about the most is that we've, we've been abused long enough. And everyone feels the same way about that, whether they are from this side, that side, that age, this age, that race, this race. We're all starting to feel the same about that. And that is a very powerful thing. If you can harness it, we can all bring about change. And we've got to do it, like Pumi said at the beginning of her non-sarcastic uh, uh, comments just a moment ago. I like it. All right, everybody. Listen, this is a great way to start the year. I'm uh, very pumped up after this burning platform. I hope everybody else is too. I see our own Leban Hosanna says power. So I think that's it. That's exactly where we're getting. First, let's get electricity power, and then let's restore the power dynamics in society to something where we can approximate a, pro a progression in the right direction. Thanks, everybody. Nice to see you all. Thank you, Leto. Great to catch up with you, Kanthan, Pumi. We'll see you all very, very soon. That is The Burning Platform, everybody. Have a great Thursday. We'll be back tomorrow at 6.